you are now tuned into World War II Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, and I'm here to take you on a journey through the whirlwind of historical events that shaped our world and defined generations. Stay tuned every Tuesday and Thursday as we delve into the riveting, inspiring, and sometimes tragic stories from World War II. We'll meet the brave men and women who stood up to tyranny, we'll explore clandestine operations and daring escapes, and we'll pay tribute to the resilience of the human spirit in times of extreme adversity. Also, be sure to check out our other podcast focusing on World War I, the conflict that set the stage for the global turmoil that followed. Use the link in the description below. In the summer of 1943, the verdant fields of Korsk in Russia would become the stage for one of the most colossal clashes of World War II. On these seemingly peaceful plains, where farmers once tilled the soil and reaped the harvest, tanks would rumble and soldiers would march, writing an indelible chapter in the annals of global warfare. This was to be the Battle of Korsk, a military engagement that would change the very course of the Second World War. Hitler's forces, although bearing the scars of the defeat at Stalingrad, were still a formidable adversary, while the Red Army was growing in strength and confidence, ready to deal a decisive blow. The stage was set for a showdown that would combine strategy, heroism, sacrifice, and raw human will in equal measure. The Battle of Korsk was not just about two military giants locking horns. It was about clashing ideologies and the struggle for survival, about shifting fortunes and turning tides. Our journey into this seismic event will unveil the intricate details of the planning and the execution, the heroes and villains, the brutal combat and the human cost. It will recount the thunderous clashes at Prokhorovka, the dogged Soviet defenses, the desperate German assaults, and finally, the strategic repercussions that echoed well beyond the battlefield. We will sift through the sands of time, and like a diligent archaeologist, piece together the fragments of this monumental battle. From the opening act to the echoes of Korsk in the modern world, this narrative will illuminate not only the events of those fateful days in July 1943, but also why they still matter. The Battle of Korsk is more than just a story of tanks and soldiers. It's a testament to human resilience in the face of adversity a saga of decision and indecision, of victory and defeat. And above all, it's a story of history itself, in all its chaotic, brutal, and yet compelling glory. Chapter 1. The Opening Act In the opening days of 1943, World War II was at a crossroads. The landscape of the Eastern Front had transformed into a tableau of raw conflict, a brutal chessboard where the greatest armies of the era vied for control. By this point, the German juggernaut had tasted bitter defeat at Stalingrad, a loss that had begun to chip away at their aura of invincibility. On the other side of the chessboard, the Red Army, though battered, was growing in strength and audacity. Amidst this turbulent panorama, two influential figures were at the helm, making strategic decisions that would shape the world. In Germany, Adolf Hitler, the Fuhrer, was attempting to rally his forces and return to his grand vision of dominating Europe. His powerful, driven personality was matched only by his stubbornness, which increasingly disregarded the advice of his military strategists. Opposing him from the Soviet side was Joseph Stalin, 
the iron-willed leader of the USSR. Stalin had weathered the initial German onslaught and was now rallying his forces for a decisive counterattack. His leadership was marked by ruthlessness and pragmatism, willing to sacrifice thousands to achieve his strategic goals. The Eastern Front was characterized by a patchwork of territories, each fiercely contested. The area around Korsk, a seemingly innocuous bulge in the front lines, had become a potential strategic pivot. The Germans, looking to regain momentum, eyed this bulge, considering it a weak point ripe for a devastating pincer attack that could encircle and destroy substantial Soviet forces. Conversely, the Soviet leadership, bolstered by their intelligence network and the advice of their skilled generals like Marshal Georgi Zhukov, saw the potential trap. They understood that the Germans might target this bulge, and so began preparations for a defense in depth that would bleed the German forces dry. As winter thawed into spring, the tension rose like the emerging buds on the bare branches of Russian birches. The stage was set for an epic clash, where military might and strategic acumen would be tested to their limits. Neither side knew it yet, but their decisions were leading them towards the greatest tank battle in history a titanic struggle that would echo across the decades, the Battle of Korsk. As winter gave way to spring in 1943, an anxious hush descended on the command bunkers of Nazi Germany. The discussion centered around a single word, Zitadel, or Citadel. This was the codename for Hitler's audacious plan to seize the initiative on the Eastern Front. The target? The Soviet-held bulge near Korsk. Adolf Hitler, still smarting from the defeat at Stalingrad, saw Operation Citadel as a masterstroke, a way to regain lost ground and morale. He believed a victory at Korsk would re-establish German dominance, quashing any doubts about the Wehrmacht's strength. Yet, not everyone shared the Fuhrer's optimism. Senior Wehrmacht officers, like the shrewd Field Marshal Erich von Manstein and the experienced General Heinz Guderian, voiced concerns. They perceived Citadel as a gamble, a roll of the dice that might not pay off. Guderian, known as the father of the Panzer Division, famously confronted Hitler with a simple question, are you sure the Russians haven't anticipated your plans? The divide within the German high command was stark, adding a layer of tension to the already fraught atmosphere. Hitler, however, was resolute, trusting in the prowess of his new weapon, the formidable Tiger tanks, to tip the scales in their favor. Meanwhile, miles away in the Soviet Union, a different scene was unfolding. Marshal Georgi Zhukov, a man as tough as the Siberian winter, was meticulously planning a defense strategy. He was aware of the gathering storm and intended to meet it head-on. Zhukov, understanding the art of war, knew that every plan was just the basis for changes, and prepared for every eventuality. Back in Berlin, Operation Citadel was given the final green light. Despite the descent and the high stakes, the gears of war began turning inexorably towards Korsk. Soldiers were marshaled, tanks readied, and orders dispatched. Whether born of desperation or seen as a masterstroke, Citadel was underway. Its success or failure would not only shape the Battle of Korsk but could also determine the entire course of World War II. As the Germans plotted their offensive, 
miles away in the Soviet Union, preparations of a different kind were underway. The Soviets, alerted by their network of spies, knew about the looming threat to the Kursk bulge. Instead of pulling back, they decided to transform this perceived weakness into a formidable fortress. The man at the helm of this massive undertaking was none other than Marshal Georgi Zhukov, a leader known for his strategic acumen and unwavering resolve. Zhukov, along with his generals, devised a plan of staggering complexity. They embarked on building a series of defenses, a network of fortifications that went several layers deep. Trenches were dug, minefields laid, and tank traps set. Villages and towns within the bulge were converted into strongpoints, designed to resist and slow down any German advance. The landscape itself was altered to serve the Soviet cause. Sloping hills and quiet ravines were transformed into hidden artillery positions and concealed tank spots. Each layer of defense was meticulously designed to extract a high price from the advancing Germans, to bleed them white. At the same time, the Red Army was being bolstered with more troops, tanks, and aircraft. New divisions were moved into position, their soldiers drilled to perfection, their will steeled for the battle to come. Zhukov, along with his fellow commanders like Konstantin Rokosovsky and Nikolai Vatutin, oversaw these preparations, ensuring every soldier knew his duty and every gun was primed for action. In the quiet moments before the storm, the Kursk bulge was a hive of activity, pulsing with a sense of anticipation. Every passing day, every hour, was used to strengthen the Soviet position. They were preparing to receive Hitler's citadel, not with fear, but with a determination that would resonate through history. As the sun rose on July 5, 1943, the Kursk bulge, bristling with defenses and filled with the resolve of millions of Soviet soldiers, lay in wait. It was a coiled spring, a trap waiting to be sprung. In the face of what seemed to be inevitable conflict, the Soviets had not just prepared, they had transformed their defense into an art form. The Battle of Korsk was about to begin, and the Red Army stood ready. Chapter 2, Clash of Titans As the first light of July 5, 1943, broke over the Eastern Front, a wave of anticipation swept across the German ranks. Operation Citadel was about to commence. For the men on the ground, this was more than just an order. It was a pivotal moment, a chance to regain the initiative and turn the tide of the war in their favor. At the command center, Field Marshal Erich von Manstein, the mastermind behind many a German victory, oversaw the final preparations. Despite his reservations about Citadel, he was a professional soldier and he would execute his orders to the best of his abilities. He knew the stakes were high, and he steeled himself for the battle ahead. Simultaneously, miles away, General Hermann Hoth led his 4th Panzer Army, their engines roaring in the early morning stillness. Beside him, the hulking silhouettes of the Tiger and Panther tanks stood ready, symbols of German engineering prowess preparing to be unleashed on the battlefield. As the signal for the attack was given, the earth shook and the sky was rent with the thunderous barrage of the German artillery. The opening act of Citadel had begun. Meanwhile, within the depths of the Kursk defenses, Soviet soldiers held their breath. 
They had been waiting for this moment, their senses heightened in the early dawn. Every sound, every movement was a sign of the storm to come. And when the German artillery barrage ripped through the morning silence, they knew the battle had finally arrived. In the sky, the Luftwaffe swooped in, their dive bombers shrieking as they plunged towards the ground, releasing their deadly cargo onto the Soviet positions. The serenity of the dawn was replaced with the cacophony of war. Yet, in the face of this fearsome assault, the Soviet soldiers stood firm. This was their moment, their time to show their mettle. The hammer had struck, and now the anvil would endure and eventually respond. As dust and smoke filled the air, the Battle of Korsk had truly begun, marking the start of an epic confrontation that would decide the fate of the Eastern Front. On the plains of Korsk, as Operation Citadel commenced, a showdown was brewing. A duel of titans, a clash of the finest armor that both Germany and the Soviet Union could muster. In this grand tableau, two beasts of steel would take center stage, Germany's Tiger tanks and the Soviet Union's T-34s. The Tiger was a symbol of German engineering prowess, a monster with thick armor and a devastating 88mm gun. It was as lethal as it was intimidating. Riding in these mechanical beasts, the German tankers held a swaggering confidence. They had faith in their tigers, in their ability to spearhead the attack, to tear through the Soviet defenses like a hot knife through butter. Conversely, the T-34 was the pride of the Red Army. It might not have matched the tiger in terms of firepower or armor, but it was reliable, agile, and produced in astonishing numbers. Soviet tank crews, their hearts pounding with a blend of anxiety and determination, gripped the controls of their T-34s. They knew the challenge they faced, and they were ready to meet it. The landscape around Korsk soon echoed with the roar of these mechanical beasts. As the German panzers rolled forward, they were met with a hail of fire from T-34s concealed in well-camouflaged positions or entrenched in the maze of the Soviet defenses. The initial clashes were brutal. Tigers prowled and T-34s weaved, a deadly dance punctuated by the flash of gun barrels and the billowing smoke of stricken tanks. Amid the chaos, heroes emerged on both sides. German tank commander Michael Whitman, known for his tactical skill and audacity, was one of them. Behind the controls of his tiger, he was a force to be reckoned with, a predator on the prowl. For the Soviets, tank commanders like Dmitry Lavrenenko and Alexander Oskin rose to the occasion. In their T-34s, they became the embodiment of Soviet resistance, their actions inspiring those around them. Despite the formidable challenge, the T-34s held their ground against the Tigers. It was a testament to their design, their crew's bravery, and the strategic planning of leaders like Zhukov. The Battle of Korsk was far from over, and the duel between Tigers and T-34s was just the opening act of this vast armored drama. The Battle of Korsk was more than a clash of tanks and troops, it was a crucible where heroes and villains were forged. Amidst the thunder of guns and the swirl of dust, individuals on both sides rose to prominence, their actions shaping the course of the battle. In the ranks of the Wehrmacht, tank ace Michael Whitman emerged as a symbol of German tenacity. 
Known for his audacity and tactical brilliance, Whitman was a force to be reckoned with. His Tiger tank, a lethal machine, was a testament to German engineering. Within its steel shell, Whitman became a scourge upon the battlefield, a nightmare for Soviet tank crews. His exploits added a dash of heroism to the grim realities of war, keeping the morale of his comrades high. On the Soviet side, tank commander Alexander Oskin was one of the many unsung heroes. A sergeant commanding AT-34, Oskin demonstrated remarkable bravery and skill, holding the line against relentless German attacks. His actions were emblematic of the Soviet resolve, a testament to their determination to defend every inch of their homeland. Among the higher ranks, figures like Marshal Georgi Zhukov and General Nikolai Vatutin stood as pillars of strategic acumen and leadership. Their meticulous planning, combined with their faith in their soldiers, played a significant role in keeping the German onslaught at bay. In contrast, figures like Adolf Hitler and Field Marshal Erich von Manstein were seen as the architects of the ill-conceived Operation Citadel. Their insistence on pursuing the Kursk offensive, despite the evident risks, revealed a fatal flaw in their strategic thinking. Their misjudgment turned the battle into a quagmire for their troops, earning them the dubious honor of being the villains of this piece of history. The Battle of Korsk was not just a military engagement, it was a human drama. It brought out the best and worst in people, turning ordinary soldiers into heroes and unmasking the follies of those who led them. The echoes of this battle continue to resonate, a reminder of the individuals whose actions shaped the course of World War II. Chapter 3. Turning the Tide As the Battle of Korsk raged on, the Red Army was not merely playing a defensive game. Behind the lines, a plan was taking shape, one that would turn the tide of the battle and bring the Germans to their knees. Named after a historic Russian prince known for his military prowess, Operation Kutuzov was the Soviets' answer to the German onslaught. Marshal Georgi Zhukov, with his unflinching determination, was the driving force behind this counteroffensive. Having meticulously prepared for the German attack, he now planned to strike back. Like a seasoned chess player, he was ready to make his next move, a move that could potentially checkmate the German forces. The first signs of the Soviet counteroffensive were subtle. A probing attack here, a slight push there. It was as if the Red Army was testing the waters, gauging the strength and readiness of the German defenses. On July 12th, the true nature of Operation Kutuzov was unveiled. The Soviets launched a massive attack on the German-held Oral salient, north of Korsk. Like a hammer blow, the Red Army divisions smashed into the German lines. Soviet tanks and infantry, backed by a thunderous artillery barrage, surged forward, intent on reclaiming their territory. Leading the charge were generals like Konstantin Rokosovsky and Nikolai Vatutin. They led their troops with a blend of strategic acumen and raw determination, inspiring their men to push beyond their limits. Every inch of ground regained was a victory, a testament to their resolve. Simultaneously, the German commanders were caught off guard. Operation Citadel had stretched their resources thin, and they were ill-prepared to deal with a major Soviet offensive. Field Marshal Gunther von Kluge, 
tasked with the defense of the oral salient, found himself in a precarious position. His forces were being pummeled, and there seemed to be no end to the Soviet onslaught. Operation Kutuzov marked a turning point in the Battle of Korsk. It was the moment when the Red Army seized the initiative, shifting from defense to offense. It was the beginning of the end for the Germans, a blow from which they would never fully recover. As the Soviet forces advanced, they carried with them the hopes and determination of a nation resolved to defend its homeland at all costs. As Operation Kutuzov raged on and the Soviet forces clawed back territory, a creeping sense of despair began to descend on the German high command. Operation Citadel, their master plan to encircle and destroy a large part of the Red Army, was crumbling before their eyes. The Korsk salient had turned from an opportunity into a quagmire. Field Marshal Erich von Manstein, once confident of a swift victory, was faced with a sobering reality. His panzer divisions, though filled with formidable tigers and panthers, were not invincible. They were bogged down, facing not only a fortified enemy but also an aggressive counteroffensive. The grim spectacle of German tanks smoldering in the fields around Korsk was a sight that shook the German command to its core. In Berlin, Adolf Hitler faced a dilemma. His eastern front was in disarray, and the news from Korsk was hardly encouraging. Furthermore, an additional crisis had just unfolded. The Allies had landed in Sicily, opening up another front in the war. Hitler was faced with a tough choice. Should he continue the increasingly fruitless operation at Korsk or withdraw his forces to respond to the new threat? The decision was made. On July 13, Hitler ordered the cancellation of Operation Citadel. This was a significant development, a tacit admission of defeat. The German forces at Korsk were ordered to withdraw, to disengage from a battle they could no longer win. As word of the withdrawal spread, a sense of disbelief enveloped the German troops. They had been promised a swift victory, a triumphant breakthrough. But now, they were retreating, leaving behind a battlefield littered with the wreckage of their once formidable panzers. The Battle of Korsk, which began with such high hopes for the Germans, had ended in a stalemate and withdrawal. It was a severe blow to their morale and a turning point in the war. The Red Army, once considered a spent force, had not only survived the German onslaught but also launched a successful counteroffensive. The tide was turning, and the Soviets were on the rise. The Battle of Korsk brought harsh lessons to the German army. Their initial overconfidence had given way to the bitter taste of defeat. But, in the tradition of Prussian military doctrine, the Germans had always been a force that learned and adapted. Facing the stark reality of their setback, they embarked on a path of tactical transformations that would mark the next phases of the Eastern Front. Field Marshal Erich von Manstein, despite the sting of defeat, was a man of pragmatic judgment. He understood that the tides had turned and the Red Army, once considered an ill-trained mass, had matured into a formidable enemy. The old strategies of blitzkrieg, rapid encirclement, and relentless advance could no longer guarantee victory. It was time for change. One of the significant adaptations was the concept of defense in depth. Acknowledging the superior numbers and improved tactics of the Red Army, 
German commanders started organizing their forces in multiple defensive lines. This layered defense was designed to absorb the momentum of Soviet offensives, wear down their forces, and provide opportunities for counterattacks. Another change was the enhanced focus on anti-tank warfare. The Battle of Korsk had showcased the increasing strength of Soviet armored divisions. To counter this, the Germans improved their anti-tank weaponry and tactics. Tank destroyers like the Jagdpanther and the Ferdinand were developed, specifically designed to neutralize enemy tanks. Infantry units were equipped with the Panzerfaust, a handheld anti-tank weapon that could devastate enemy armor. Finally, there was an increased emphasis on combined arms operations. The Germans understood that the interplay between infantry, armor, artillery, and air support was crucial for success on the battlefield. They strove to improve coordination between different units, ensuring that each element supported the others effectively. However, these tactical adaptations were not panaceas. They were desperate measures, responses to a grim situation. While they brought temporary reprieves and localized successes, they could not reverse the overall strategic situation. The German army, once the master of the Eastern Front, was now on the back foot, grappling with an enemy that had finally found its stride. Chapter 4 The Aftermath In the grim ledger of war, the Battle of Korsk holds a heavy page. Fought over eight punishing weeks, it exacted a brutal toll on both sides, marking the landscape and the participants with the indelible scars of conflict. On the German side, the losses were profound. Operation Citadel had promised victory but delivered only devastation. The Wehrmacht, once the terror of Europe, had been humbled on the plains of Korsk. They lost approximately 200,000 men killed, wounded, or captured. Among them were seasoned veterans, their skills and experience lost forever to the German war machine. But it was not just a loss of manpower. The German army lost almost half of its participating tanks and assault guns at Korsk, precious machines that could not be replaced quickly. The feared Tigers and Panthers, symbols of German armored might, lay burnt and shattered across the Kursk battlefield, a testament to the brutal effectiveness of Soviet defenses and counterattacks. On the Soviet side, the cost was equally staggering. Their defensive strategy and subsequent counteroffensive at Korsk resulted in massive casualties. Estimates suggest around 250,000 to 400,000 Soviet soldiers lost, a number that surpassed even the grim toll on the Germans. Each loss was a blow, a life cut short, a family left to mourn. Materially, too, the Soviets suffered greatly. They lost a significant portion of their tanks and artillery despite their greater numbers. Yet, their immense reserves and increased war production capabilities allowed them to replace these losses more effectively than the Germans. Yet, for all these grim numbers, there were gains too, especially for the Soviets. They had repelled the German attack, blunted their offensive power, and had even taken back considerable territory during Operation Kutuzov. The Red Army emerged from Korsk with a newfound confidence, a belief in their ability to take on and defeat the Germans. The cost had been high, but the rewards, both tangible and intangible, 
would play a pivotal role in the battles to come. Korsk was not just a battle, it was a reckoning, a brutal calculation of losses and gains. Its human and material cost would reverberate throughout the rest of the war, shaping the strategies and outcomes of the battles that lay ahead. With the echoes of the Battle of Korsk still lingering on the Eastern Front, both sides were left to confront the new strategic reality that had emerged in its aftermath. It was a turning point, a moment that would forever change the trajectory of the war. For the Germans, the battle had shattered the myth of their invincibility. Their failed operation had not only drained them of valuable resources and manpower but also dealt a severe blow to their morale. Adolf Hitler's grand vision of a swift victory over the Soviet Union was now a distant dream. The Wehrmacht was now on the defensive, constantly reacting to Soviet initiatives. Field Marshal Erich von Manstein, once a proponent of aggressive maneuvers, was now left to adapt to a defensive war. He was faced with a daunting task, holding back a Red Army that had grown in confidence and capability. The Eastern Front had transformed into a war of attrition, a fight the Germans were ill-equipped to win. On the Soviet side, the victory at Korsk bolstered their confidence. Despite the heavy losses, the Red Army had demonstrated that they could not only withstand the German onslaught but also successfully launch their own offensives. Leaders like Marshal Georgi Zhukov emerged from the battle with enhanced reputations, their names etched into the annals of Soviet military history. With a renewed sense of purpose, the Soviets launched a series of offensives after Korsk, gradually reclaiming territory lost to the Germans in the early years of the war. The momentum had shifted, and it was now the Red Army that set the pace on the Eastern Front. Moreover, the Battle of Korsk had far-reaching consequences for the broader context of World War II. The failure of Operation Citadel convinced Hitler to focus more resources on the Western Front, a shift that had significant implications for the remainder of the war. The Battle of Korsk was not just an event, it was a juncture, a pivot around which the fate of the Eastern Front and indeed, of World War II turned. In its aftermath, new strategies were forged, new paths taken, and the course of history irreversibly altered. The Battle of Korsk was not merely a clash on the Eastern Front, its echoes reverberated across the globe, influencing the strategies and outlooks of both Allies and Axis powers. In London and Washington, news of the Soviet victory was greeted with cautious optimism. Winston Churchill, the indefatigable British Prime Minister, saw it as a sign of hope. The Red Army's victory at Korsk marks a turning point, he might have said. It shows that the German beast can be wounded, can be beaten. His American counterpart, President Franklin D. Roosevelt, shared this sentiment. The Red Army's resilience had bought the Allies valuable time, allowing them to prepare for their planned assault on Western Europe. Meanwhile, in Italy, dictator Benito Mussolini faced the news with growing unease. The once seemingly invincible German ally had been checked in the East and Mussolini could not ignore the implications for his own fascist regime. His fears were well-founded. Less than a month after Korsk, Mussolini would be arrested, marking the beginning of the end for fascist rule in Italy. In Japan, the other main Axis power, the outcome at Korsk was scrutinized with equal concern. 
the Japanese military, despite their ongoing war in the Pacific, were keen observers of the European conflict. The resilience of the Soviet Union was a sobering reminder of their own bloody clashes along the Manchurian border. The Japanese, facing their own challenges against the United States, began to reassess the wisdom of opening a potential two-front war. Yet, it was in Berlin where the shockwaves of Kursk were felt most acutely. Adolf Hitler, once supremely confident of victory, now had to confront a bitter reality. The Eastern Front was faltering, and the Western Allies were gearing up for an invasion. The dream of a thousand-year Reich was slipping away, replaced by the specter of encroaching defeat. From capitals to command posts, the Battle of Kursk shaped thoughts, plans, and perceptions. It was a pivotal moment in World War II, a decisive engagement whose impact extended far beyond the blood-soaked fields of the Eastern Front. Chapter 5 The Bigger Picture Kursk in World War II The Battle of Kursk marked the beginning of a profound shift on the Eastern Front, a turning point that signaled the beginning of the Wehrmacht's decline. Before Kursk, the German army, despite setbacks at Moscow and Stalingrad, still held a reputation as a formidable force, a sword that cut deeply into the heartland of the Soviet Union. But the failure of Operation Citadel stripped the Wehrmacht of this mantle. No longer were they the unstoppable conquerors of Europe, Kursk had revealed their vulnerability. The man at the heart of this faltering machine was Adolf Hitler. The Führer's hubris and strategic miscalculations had cost them dearly at Korsk. Hitler's insistence on deploying new but untested tanks, his constant meddling with operational plans, and his unrealistic expectations had all contributed to the debacle. Field Marshal Erich von Manstein, the architect of the plan that had once encircled and captured a large portion of the Red Army at Kharkov, was now on the defensive. Manstein, like the rest of the German high command, had to grapple with the realities of a war that was slipping away from them. Korsk had taught them a harsh lesson, they could bleed, they could be beaten. In the wake of Korsk, the German army was left scrambling to plug gaps and hold lines. The grand maneuvers of the Blitzkrieg era gave way to a grueling defensive war. Recalling troops from other fronts, they attempted to stem the Soviet tide. But the Soviets, galvanized by their success at Korsk, were relentless. One by one, the territories under German control were reclaimed by the Red Army. Korsk was more than just a military defeat, it was a turning point that marked the Wehrmacht's decline. The German war machine, once the terror of Europe, was now forced on the back foot, its aura of invincibility shattered on the open fields of Korsk. It was a change that would shape the course of the war, propelling the Allies on the road to eventual victory. The echo of Kursk rippled far beyond the Eastern Front, reaching the war rooms of London and Washington and influencing one of the most critical operations of World War II, Operation Overlord, better known as D-Day. Winston Churchill and Franklin D. Roosevelt, the stalwart leaders of Britain and the United States respectively, had long been planning a grand return to the European continent. However, they were keenly aware of the need to time this carefully, lest they face the full brunt of the German war machine. In the aftermath of the Battle of Korsk, however, 
the strategic situation began to shift. News of the Soviet victory marked a significant morale boost for the Allies. It hinted at the Wehrmacht's vulnerability, suggesting that the Germans might not be able to withstand a two-front war. With this in mind, the Western Allies started to feel the urgency to open the Second Front in Europe. They aimed to divert German resources away from the Eastern Front, further aiding the Soviets while paving their way into the heart of Nazi-occupied Europe. General Dwight D. Eisenhower, the supreme commander of the Allied Expeditionary Forces, saw an opportunity in the outcome of Korsk. The failures of the German army in the east presented an opening for the planned invasion of Normandy. It also meant that fewer German divisions would be available to counter the impending landing. The intelligence collected in the aftermath of Korsk was instrumental in shaping the Allies' plans. Knowledge of German tank losses and their strategic shifts allowed the Allies to fine-tune Operation Overlord, preparing for potential counterattacks and solidifying their own offensive plans. Thus, the Battle of Korsk, fought thousands of miles away, had a significant influence on D-Day. It underscored the declining power of the Wehrmacht, galvanizing the Allies to seize their chance to tip the scales of the war further in their favor. Korsk was not merely a Soviet victory, it was a catalyst that set the stage for the Grand Allied return to Europe. The legacy of the Battle of Korsk extends far beyond its time and place. It resonated powerfully within the Soviet Union and had profound implications across the globe, shaping historical narratives and influencing military strategies. In the Soviet Union, the Battle of Korsk was hailed as a heroic victory that embodied the strength and resilience of the Soviet people. The triumphant struggle was immortalized in songs, films, and literature, serving as a beacon of national pride. Marshal Georgi Zhukov, who had played a crucial role in the Soviet defense, emerged as a national hero, his fame rivaled only by that of the leader, Joseph Stalin. The battle was an undeniable boost to Soviet morale. It demonstrated the Red Army's capability not just to resist, but to seize the initiative. It signified the Soviet Union's transformation from a nation on the defensive to an assertive power, charting its own course towards victory. Globally, the Battle of Korsk left a lasting impact on the art of warfare. It challenged traditional military strategies exemplifying the shift from open maneuver warfare to deep defensive operations. Its lessons were studied by military academies around the world, influencing the development of armored warfare tactics and the integration of different types of units into cohesive, effective forces. Beyond the military sphere, the battle served as a turning point in the narrative of World War II. It marked the beginning of the end for Hitler's expansionist ambitions and paved the way for the Allies' advance towards victory. The failed Operation Citadel exposed the vulnerabilities of the Nazi war machine, emboldening the Allies, and hastening their preparations for opening a second front in Europe. Even today, the Battle of Korsk remains a symbol of resilience and strategic brilliance, a testament to the indomitable spirit of those who fought there. It continues to inspire military thinkers, historians, and people around the world, reminding us of the potential of human spirit and strategy to overcome seemingly insurmountable odds. Chapter 6 Echoes of Korsk 
The Battle of Korsk occupies a special place in popular imagination, transcending the realm of historical facts and figures to become a potent symbol of courage and resistance. In the collective memory of the Soviet Union, now Russia, the battle is celebrated as a heroic saga. Stories of tank commanders like Mikhail Katakov, who led his men with an unwavering spirit, and infantrymen who held the line against formidable German panzers, have been woven into the fabric of the nation's history. They serve as a testament to the resilience of the Soviet people, reminding each generation of their forebears' strength in the face of adversity. Marshal Georgi Zhukov, the brilliant strategist behind the Soviet defenses at Korsk, has been immortalized in this narrative. His masterful orchestration of the defense and subsequent counterattack is the stuff of legends, positioning him as one of the great military minds of the 20th century. Zhukov's legacy looms large, not just within Russia, but in global military circles as well. The battle's depiction in films and literature has further ingrained it in popular imagination. Books like The Battle of Korsk by David M. Glantz and War's Unwomanly Face by Svetlana Aleksevich give personal and tactical perspectives of the battle, bringing to life the human stories behind the strategic maneuvers. The Battle of Korsk also lives on in video games and model kits, which allow enthusiasts to relive the tactics and maneuvers of this historic confrontation. These recreations serve to keep the memory of Korsk alive passing the story to younger generations unfamiliar with the raw, first-hand accounts of the battle. Despite the passage of time, myths and controversies surrounding the Battle of Korsk persist. Debates over the scale of the battle, the actual number of tanks involved, and the strategic decisions made by leaders on both sides continue to engage historians and enthusiasts. These discussions, rather than diminishing the significance of Korsk, serve to enhance its allure, ensuring that the Battle of Korsk continues to captivate minds and stimulate discussions. In this way, the Battle of Korsk has evolved from a military engagement into a symbol of human resilience and strategic brilliance. It is a testament to the power of memory and myth in shaping our understanding of history, and a reminder of the indelible impact of individual and collective bravery in the face of overwhelming odds. The Battle of Korsk holds a unique position in military history, marking a crucial shift in tactics and strategies that continues to influence military doctrines around the globe. One of the most significant lessons was the validation of the defensive deep battle doctrine, a concept developed by Soviet theorists in the interwar years. Korsk demonstrated the potential of layered, in-depth defenses to absorb and then disrupt enemy offensive operations. The carefully prepared and fortified defenses, filled with a mix of infantry, artillery, and tanks, combined with strategic reserves to counterattack, became a blueprint for future defensive operations. Secondly, Korsk underlined the significance of air superiority. The Luftwaffe, once the feared masters of the skies, found themselves outclassed by the growing might of the Soviet air forces. The importance of air support for ground operations, as well as strategic bombing to disrupt enemy supply lines, was duly noted by military strategists. The battle also served as a harsh lesson on the limitations of armored warfare. The German reliance on technologically superior but fewer in number tanks, such as the Tigers and Panthers, 
was met with swarming tactics employed by the Soviets with their numerically superior T-34s. This provided key insights into tank design and tactics, emphasizing the balance between quality and quantity, as well as the necessity of coordination with infantry and artillery. Furthermore, Korsk underscored the significance of strategic intelligence and deception. The Soviets were aware of the German plans thanks to their effective intelligence operations, allowing them to prepare their defenses accordingly. In addition, they skillfully used deception techniques, masking their troop movements and intentions, which played a significant role in the battle's outcome. Finally, the battle emphasized the critical role of logistics. Despite their tactical brilliance, the German forces were hampered by a lack of fuel, ammunition, and spare parts. This reasserted the adage that amateurs talk about tactics, but professionals study logistics. From defensive tactics and air superiority to armored warfare, intelligence, and logistics, the Battle of Kursk drastically altered the way wars were fought. Its lessons continue to resonate in military academies and war rooms, influencing the doctrines that guide the armed forces of today. Thus, while the echoes of the battle have long since faded, its impact continues to reverberate in the annals of military strategy and planning. As the dust of the Second World War settled, the significance of the Battle of Korsk began to solidify in the minds of those who bore witness to its triumphs and tragedies. As the years turned into decades, it became a beacon of bravery, commemorated and remembered in a myriad of ways. The Prokhorovka battlefield, the site of the battle's most intense combat, is one such place where memories of Korsk have been cemented. It is home to a memorial complex which includes a museum, monuments, and the Church of the Sign of the Blessed Virgin Mary, built in honor of the fallen soldiers. It stands as a silent but powerful tribute to the thousands who lost their lives there, their sacrifice immortalized in stone and steel. Every year, on July 12, a reenactment of the tank battle at Prokhorovka takes place, bringing together military enthusiasts and historians from around the world. The roar of engines and the clatter of tracks serve as a haunting reminder of the chaos and carnage that once consumed the now peaceful fields. The heroes of Korsk, both known and unknown, are remembered in these commemorations. Figures like Marshal Georgi Zhukov and tank commander Mikhail Katakov have their bravery inscribed in the annals of history. At the same time, the countless Soviet soldiers who fought and died in the battle are honored for their collective courage. Their stories, though less known, are no less important in the remembrance of Korsk. Beyond Russia, the Battle of Korsk has found its place in international remembrance. It is studied in military academies, discussed in scholarly articles, and referenced in media, serving as a testament to the indomitable spirit of those who fought there. In literature and film, the battle has been depicted in all its brutal glory. From the pages of books to the silver screen, stories of Korsk continue to be told and retold, reaching audiences far removed from the horrors of war, yet allowing them to glimpse the human spirit that prevailed in those challenging times. Through these varied forms of remembrance, the Battle of Korsk lives on. It stands as a beacon of bravery, its memory shining through the fog of history. It reminds us of the strength of the human spirit, 
the price of freedom, and the dire consequences of war. Above all, it ensures that the sacrifices made on those distant fields are never forgotten, their echoes resonating through time and space, inspiring and cautioning generations to come.